I found myself remembering this week a talk that I was the recipient of my last week in seminary. One of our professors at the last gathering of us final year students felt compelled to say something to us and you might expect that she would have said something like, you are great and you're gonna do great out there. But that wasn't her intent. She gave us a warning. She said, if you haven't already learned this in your time here, let me tell you that ministry is not about getting your own needs met. It's not about feeling successful or powerful. If we haven't already disabused you of this notion, then hear me now. Your ministry is not about you. Too often people go into this work for the wrong reasons. They forget they are in it to serve and not to be served. And in pursuing their own gratification, these people end up doing all kinds of harm. She looked at us and said, don't do harm to others or to yourself. Our theme for this month of January is power. And I wonder about your particular relationship with power. Do you see yourself as a powerful person? Do you feel powerless? What about power as an idea and as a force in the world? Are you in favor of it? Or are you uncomfortable with power because of the ways that you are aware it has so often been abused? You must know these words from the English historian of the 19th century named Lord Acton. He said, power tends to corrupt. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. So we come by our distrust of power honestly. But is it true that power by its own nature corrupts? A recent research study done by some psychologists found that power in and of itself doesn't corrupt. Rather, they said, it heightens pre-existing ethical tendencies. In other words, some people are actually good at using power. Some people, not so much. Maybe the problem is who we entrust our power to. Stories of abuse of power make the news, right? To the point that sometimes now we are even not surprised and resigned. But they are still the exception to the rule. Every day, lots of good, ordinary people go out and do their work, whatever their work is, and use their power for good. That said, on this day, I do feel compelled to start with 
the negative side of power. To remind you that we each have the power to make a mess of things, to hurt people, to screw things up. And if you don't know this, if you're not aware of the danger, if you aren't in touch with your own shadow side, then you are more likely probably than average to bumble around and make messes of things and leave a trail of destruction in your wake. And you don't want to do this. We all make mistakes. We all mess up sometimes. What we seem to be forgetting these days in our culture and what so precious few of our leaders are showing us how to do is how to hold power responsibly and well. How to be powerful and humble at the same time. How when we mess up to confess our faults and take responsibility for our actions and make amends so that we can start over again. This is one of the things that religion should be good at and good for and know how to do. Hey, Alex. You're going to be a preacher someday because I know you love it up here. And if you want to stay and keep me company for a while, you can. It's completely fine. You good with that? Okay. What phone is this? It's something that you don't want to touch. (laughs) So religion should be able to help us with this. To help us to hang in and work through things after a breach of trust or a betrayal. Rather than running away. Helping us to work, yeah, you can touch that. Helping us to work through hard things and to see it as holy work. This work of healing and reconciliation. And isn't this what it means to be faithful? To speak the truth even when it's hard. To show up even when it would be easier not to. We have this covenant in this congregation. It's on the wall in the Murray room that we should say, definitely, yeah. We should say it to each other more in, in out loud so we remember our intent and our promise to stay in relationship with one another. And as you heard in the reading this morning, oftentimes church people have this uneasy relationship with power. Martin Luther King spoke to this about how the concepts of love and power have often been seen as polar opposites. It was back in 1967, you heard those words. He said, now we have got to get this right. What is needed is a realization that power without love is reckless and abusive. And love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice. And justice at its best is love correcting everything that stands against love. Sometimes love just shows up in our midst completely unexpectedly. And we are grateful. And you forgot 
What did I forget? Peace. Peace? And peace shows up too. <laughs> Thank you, Alex, because we need to be reminded to pay attention to peace. Thank you. He said, you're welcome. We have more power than we know. Power for good and power to do ill. And it's easy to find those negative examples when someone takes an action that hurts a bunch of people. It's harder to see the ways that people are using their power for good. But they are there. They are all around. Just often they are hidden in plain sight. If I asked you to tell me a story about somebody who has made a positive difference in your life, I'm certain that each of you, even the youngest among us, could tell such a story, right? But how often do any of us get to hear those stories about how we have made a positive difference? So here's the question. Can you trust that you have made such a difference in other people's lives even when they haven't told you about it? Can you have faith in this? Can you trust that you have a power for good that is even greater than you know? There's a song that I hope we might learn this month. People sang it in South Africa during the struggle against apartheid, and it's really simple. It has a couple parts, but the, the basic ground line goes, power, oh Lord, give us power. Oh Lord, give us power. Oh Lord, give us power. Oh Lord. And then there's other lines that go on top of that. And you can add in other words like justice and freedom. And I've had the opportunity to sing this in a large gathering. And it was a powerful experience to sing this liberation song with other people. And you know this already, don't you? how powerful it can be to lift your voices with others. I'm not a particularly good singer, and I know how standing next to somebody who is can embolden me, can help me to sing out louder and better, and provide a little bit of cover when I'm not. <laughs> There's a lesson in there somewhere. And so I ask you, how many of you have a powerful voice that you aren't using or not using to the capacity that you could? A voice that you could use to sing or to speak out or to soothe someone who is in need, to confront injustice or to offer encouragement. Here's the question I want and need to ask you on this day. At the start of this new year, what are you going to do with the power that you have? How will you use your power? After our little coffee half hour today, we're having this congregational meeting, and we're going to talk about and then vote on whether we are going to embark on a capital campaign to make some important and long-awaited, needed changes to our building. 
so that we can better live into our mission and better be a beacon of hope and faith and justice-making in the community. And I see this campaign as about claiming our power, letting our light shine, seizing the energy and the possibility of this moment and doing something good and transformative here that will make a difference for generations to come. 2,000 years ago, our friend Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He didn't say this to the powerful leaders. He said it to the common people. He said, but nobody lights a candle and then hides it under a bushel basket. No, you lift your light up high so it gives light to everyone in the whole house. He said to these people, let your light shine. I know it can be tempting at times to hide the light that you do have, to keep your expectations low, because that way you might avoid the risk of being disappointed, of failing even. It can even sound reasonable to caution against taking such risks to say, I don't think I'm ready quite yet. I don't know if this is the right time. But if not now, when? Isn't this present moment the only time we really have? Isn't this the time we have been given to seize the power that we do have? and put it to work for good? Isn't now the time to mend that relationship or seek that new opportunity or find a new way to serve? What about us as a congregation? The world out there is on fire right now. Our earth is in trouble and people are hurting and people are afraid. And what are we going to do about that? We can't do everything, but we each can do something. How will we use our power? This is no time for a tepid faith. Our world needs this life-affirming, justice-seeking faith we call Unitarian Universalism this y'all-come religion that says, whoever you are, you have a place here. There's a place for you at the table. Our world needs our open-hearted faith not to be whispered or hidden, but to be sung out loud and proud. I don't know if you know the story of Riverside Church in New York City but it was built and dedicated 90 years ago in the throes of the Great Depression when our culture was still recovering from the First World War. And this was not this easy or hopeful or optimistic time, but still it was the time that that church, which became a beacon of hope and faith in that city, it was founded then. And their minister was a man named Harry Emerson Fosdick, And he preached what's called the social gospel, which said that religion should be primarily concerned with the needs of the people who were living and sleeping right outside the church's doors. 
And that church, over the years that he was their minister, became interdenominational. It became interracial. And it focused on a vibrant ministry of feeding and helping the poor in that urban center. I'm almost done. And Harry Emerson Fosdick wrote this hymn that was a dedication for the Riverside Church that's one of my favorite hymns. And I feel its words still calling out to us today in this moment of danger and possibility. This moment when we are called to use our own power for good. So, my spiritual companions, may this be our prayer for the living of these days. His words, God of grace and God of glory, on your people pour out your power. Crown thine ancient church's story, bring its bud to glorious flower. Grant us wisdom, grant us courage for the facing of this hour. For the facing of this hour. Amen. One minute. So let's sing.